Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedan, founder and CEO of Devian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedian, and today we have Ollie Matthews, which is the founder of OJ Health and a health coach. Ollie, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Yourself? I am really great as well. Looking forward to having this amazing conversation together because the the industry that you're in is something that I truly believe in and a huge fan of in regards to understanding the human body and utilizing it for your competitive advantage as an entrepreneur and just being somebody that's really in-depth in the neuroscience of the world, your sleep habits, the weight aspect, your hormone balances and beyond. But before geeking about uh, on all that fun stuff that we're going to do in a few seconds, Ali, I gave a small introduction of who you are. Do you mind unpacking that a bit more of who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm actually a functional medicine doctor and health coach as well. So I work with entrepreneurs to truly make sure that their body is getting back from the brink of burnout to reach really good peak performance as as you know a lot about so uh it's working with nutrition it's working with movement it's working with getting inflammation down in the body and i see so many people that are driven and really really pushing their body like burning the candle at both ends and it's easy when pushing your business to forget about your body until it gives you signals that you're waking up through the night, you're suffering with brain fog, you're suffering with concentration, the weight creeps up a little bit. It gives you these signals that we need to do something about it. And hopefully people start to do something about it before they then have a massive push, like a heart attack, stroke. And um, unfortunately, I lost my dad at 47 years old. I was 15. He was the guy that I want to work with, where he's pushing in business, stressed out, getting migraines, not sleeping right. And he was the healthy guy, wasn't overweight, just driven in business to hit these targets. And he went into the hospital with a migraine on the Monday, had a stroke on the Wednesday. And on the Saturday, we had to turn off his life support machine. So I didn't realize back then that that was going to be the catalyst that would push me to where I am now. And I've had this journey, I won't go into the depths of it or anything, but I've been in this journey after losing my dad going into the bodybuilding world. And then competing in bodybuilding, dropping a, a ton of weight. It was nearly 100 pounds in a year to compete on the bodybuilding stage, doing seven shows, to developing an eating disorder that I was just so obsessed with that obsessive clean eating that I would then have binge eating uh, issues going on. And then I went into the endurance world, which was great. And I was working with professional endurance athletes as their nutritionists. I had someone that I was consulting with in the Rio Olympics. I had someone that had been doing the Tour de France and was in the World Cycling Championships, worked with Ultraman World Champion, and that was great. But the problem was that we were pushing them for performance. And when I say performance, I mean athletic performance. So it's not often or it's not very uncommon that if you tested testosterone levels in someone in the Tour de France, a three-week endurance event, 
they're going to be higher at the start than at the end. And we're seeing hormonal imbalances from people just pushing their bodies really to the limits. And I didn't want to be the person that was then just focused on performance as in athletic performance. I wanted to focus on health as well. And I started working with a couple of entrepreneurs and one of these guys, um, really like great guy in the music industry. And he messaged me and said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I know what to do. I need you to tell me to do it. So two hours later, he was signed up. Three hours later, I was in his house in Nashville and he was Taylor Swift's first manager. And it was kind of a surreal process of like being able to help him. But we're there in his office and we're recording this musician's health course. And he's he's standing there and said, look, you've given my wife Jill back what she married 10 years ago. And his 15-year-old daughter, 13-year-old son was there. And it just made me realize that I couldn't help my dad. But I can just do my best to help anyone improve their health. But specifically, entrepreneurs that are in their late 30s, 40s, 50s that are burning out and risking dying and not seeing their kids grow up and it became really really powerful from there so that's why i've dived into becoming um, licensed in functional medicine making sure that i'm able to offer the services that i wasn't able to offer back when i was just a personal trainer so it's it's the whole holistic approach i love it ollie i i mean just in the way you explained it we kind of feel in your voice the the battle scars and I yeah. am so happy that you explained your origin story in regards to kind of seeing how it started and the ideology of your father, unfortunately passing away and you being such a young age, having something so impactful, being your mind, and then now being in a place that that is what you're literally living your life towards, helping other people like you would have loved, meaning somebody like you for your father back then would have changed the world for you and your family. Just, it's amazing to see how you're going about it. And one thing Thank you me. wanted, you, you highlighted, and there's so many things that I wanted to unpack, but I really want to unpack one thing is regards to, you did the weightlifting stuff, which mm -hmm. you started competing and lost hundred pounds. And that's a whole world in itself, you know, uh, but you mentioned the, 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 the eating disorder aspect behind it, which when you do need to lose crazy amounts of weights for competitions like that, the ways to go about it sometimes, or most of the times are not safe because they have to get no. it done at a very fast level. And then you were talking about the binging aspect. What can you talk to us about the ideology of food, the diet culture, uh, even, I don't know if you're aware, I'm, I'm guessing you might be uh, of, uh, of the, uh, of the ideology of eating the right food at the right time, but not only that, but understanding the actual aspect of like junk food, not necessarily being junk food, but being more of a play food. What would you speak to that in the intuitive eating world and so on? I think first off with intuitive eating, I can do intuitive eating because I've been in this industry. Well, I've been doing this for, for years, counting food and things like that. But even then I still believe in tracking food mm -hmm. to a degree. Like what gets measured gets managed. I'm speaking in America next week. So I'm not going to track my food over there, but I'm not going to overeat. I know roughly that what's going to be decent for breakfast, what's going to be good for lunch and like getting my protein levels in. Like I know. And if I go over or go under a little bit, who cares? It's, it's a week of there. My priority is showing up at that event and giving the best presentation that I can. But I got to the point where, yes, competing in a bodybuilding show is very unhealthy now they say never say never but i'm never going to do it again i know that for certain like my my 
whole way that I work with things, it just wouldn't be, it wouldn't align with me. But I'm glad I've done it. It taught me discipline. However, you get to those low body fat percentages and your testosterone levels drop, your sex drive drops, your motivation drops. You nearly get sacked from the jobs that you're working back then. This is like 2008. So I was working in a gym and it, it was it was crazy. And then to do it again in like 2010 and 2012, do multiple shows. But the thing that happened was that you get addicted to seeing the small changes in your body, which is great. However, then when it gets to putting some fat on some people especially when you've been through a level of trauma like i had with losing a parent i found something that i could control i could control every gram of food that went into my body and in the off season you want to make some improvements so you have to be in a calorie surplus to put a bit of muscle on and you're going to put a little bit of fat on you can do it very lean and very slowly but you're going to put a little bit of fat on but i didn't do that I was staying in like five, six weeks out from a bodybuilding show most of the year round. And some people will argue you can do that, but I wasn't doing it healthily. I went to a first date with chicken and broccoli in a Tupperware tub and I didn't get a second date. And like these things just looking back, I think now like, wow, like I said I was happy doing it and I wasn't. But the thing is, is that I built this body that I thought was going to give me confidence. I could control the things. But all it did was make me more and more insecure because I was worried about people judging me. And it wasn't the the muscles that had the shell that was going to give me the confidence. It was doing the work up here. And I feel like I've said now that I'm in the best shape that I've been physically and mentally as a complete package ever in my life at 36 years old, 37 in a couple of months. And like to look back at when I competed last in 2012, Physically, I looked in good shape, but I was very unhealthy, as I've said. And mentally, I was in a very, very bad place. And I've argued the fact um, with a lot of people and a lot of friends who have been in the bodybuilding world is that if something like COVID happened back in 2012 with all the lockdowns and the gyms closed, I don't think I would be here because I would have done something stupid. It was that much of an addiction where Mm. if I ate and binged out, I'd have to do hours of cardio the next day and I just wouldn't be able to miss a workout. Wasn't healthy. My business would not be where I am now. However, from messing around with my body and overtraining and overstressing, I learned so much that I can help clients with now when we look at the impact that stress has and burnout has had. And I've had to deal with that over the years. So once again, you mentioned so many interesting things in regards to how to approach it when it comes to intuitive eating, which I'm a huge proponent on understanding intuitive eating in a certain degree to understand because there's a lot of emotional attachments when you eat. Are you eating because you're bored? Are you eating because you're depressed? Are you eating because you're actually hungry? And whatever happens, it's not good or bad. Just be aware of it. Like for me, when I sit down and watch a movie, there's a trigger that happens. I need to have popcorn. And if I know that and I'm allowing it, that's okay. But it's when you don't know it, that it's a bit more dangerous. Now, I do believe this is where I'm kind of going with this, that everybody, at least once in their lives for one month straight, you should be calculating your calories, your macros, and understanding how much you're eating. Because like you mentioned, the example you gave that you're going to be in the States for a week or so, 
you won't ever need to calculate again because just by eyeballing your food, you know about how much protein there is, how much fat there is, how much carbs there is, and you know what responds best to your body because everybody's different. I know if I eat this much, this carb works good. I know if I eat in the morning here, this works. I know if I do intermittent fasting, this works, so on and so forth. So I do believe in that. Now, my next question or correlating it to this aspect is what is that perfect balance? Because you did talk about low body fat percentage in regards to if you go so low, it becomes dangerous. You lose testosterone, you lose will. What is the body fat that you walk out what is the number of times per week that you calculate your, your food intake? What's that perfect balance? Because you did mention in your own words that right now you have that perfect balance within your body and mind at 37 years old. I think everyone is going to be different. For me to say that how many times you calculate your food, that some people, like when, when I work with people and we want to track their food just to see what they're doing at first. Now, I'll also look at a complete blood count as well. It's not just going to be based on the food. I want to see where they're at. But what we do have to be careful of, of like signing up a client who's a stressed out uh, lawyer at the moment, and he's got all these tests already done. But when I look at his food, we're looking for something that isn't there when it comes to the things in the test for something to be wrong when we still need to improve our food. We have to work on those foundations. So someone like him, I would say just tracking your food rather even looking at calories just just writing it down so we can look at the composition and understanding that I can get my protein levels up and what is a protein? What What is a carbohydrate? These things. Because to me and to you, it seems like basic knowledge that a piece of steak is protein or a potato is carbohydrates. And to us, it's, it's this is one of the things I have to be aware of. Now, it's very rare that I get people that come to me that don't know what these things are. I'm just this new client that signed up today. She said that, you're my last hope. And I'm, that made me think that like, I always wanted to be a superhero. It's, it's kind of uh, in, in a like weird way about it, but I don't look at it like that because I see health as a different thing. Now she's going to be in a position where, again, she isn't going to need to track her calories at the moment because I just want to see the compositions of food that she's having. Now, I do believe people should track their food at some point. And I, I have been all over the world and tracked my food. So when I hear people say, it's hard to track when you're on the go. It's hard, but it's not impossible. Yeah. And it's whether we love ourselves enough to track these foods. Now, when you get back to emotional eating, it's something that I work on a lot. And obviously I've had a lot of emotional eating with the, the binging and things like that. But when we find the trigger of why we're emotionally eating, it usually breaks that disconnect. I had a client that was constantly having chocolate and we'd done a little bit of mindset work um, little bit of, of CBT where we looked into why she was having it and her grandparents used to give her chocolate on a Friday and she used to feel safe when she was with her grandparents. It was a nurturing thing. Now she's got two sons. One of them had a heart attack at 18 years old and she used to give them chocolate because as a mother, she was making, she knew that was how she felt safe. So she would give them chocolate as a treat, not every single night, but have it as a treat. And her son survived and is, all great now a few years later it's awesome but they went off to university and they were only probably 40 minutes away not very far but they went off to university were living away from home so to make herself feel close to her son she would eat more chocolate mm. and when we dived into that we realized that you could go and grab a coffee with them you could text them you could just get on on zoom you can have a vocal conversation you can have a video conversation with them she had much more control. And I think 
I noticed this with another client that had lost a partner, he used to wonder why she had a whole bag of, of cookies. And she was like, why am I having these cookies? They were her partner's favorite cookies. They used to go on a bike ride and have a couple at a cafe with a, with a cup of coffee, but then he passed away. So she was having them to feel close. And then you can do some work, just unwinding those things. And we might need some hypnotherapy, some timeline therapy or something like that. But emotional eating, I, I believe everyone will emotionally eat at some point. Yeah. Everyone. Like if you're celebrating, it's emotional eating, right? Yeah. I mean, like you're stressed out, having alcohol, all these sorts of things, like having more coffee because we're tired. Like these things are emotional stuff and emotional triggers. So I don't think it's a negative to say to people that they emotionally eat. It's just the awareness yeah. and being truly aware of why we're doing it. And the same things will go in business. No doubt you see people that self-sabotage all the time. Mm -hmm. And emotional eating can be a self-sabotage, just like when people procrastinate and they're not putting posts out that they should put out or doing the stuff they know they need to do. And that's where we come in as coaches, right? I love it, Ollie. There's so many things, once again, that you're saying. You're just <laughs> like hitting home in so many regards. And I love the fact that you highlighted the ideology of emotional eating. Not I think everybody does it, but everybody does do it. And there is a place for it, right? When we call it yeah. comfort food, like imagine that that client that you had with the cookies, man, maybe she knows that now the cookie means her belated husband or wife. And when she sits down and has it, there's this moment that's okay. It's just being yeah. aware of it. So it won't become the binge aspect. Uh, that's the only thing we're talking about here. Now, Ollie, you kind of mentioned something, which like I said, being a high performance coach and I work with entrepreneurs to go to that next level, uh, health is a huge part of it. Now, obviously you, you, your main pillar is that health aspect, but it's something that I truly understand as well. Being in parentheses here, a CrossFit athlete, I call myself because I take that sport quite seriously and actually co-authored a, a book, which is coming out at the end of the year with one of the top 10 oh, CrossFit nice. coaches in the world in regards to the understanding of how important it is your uh, workout or sports for your business success, which is exactly what you're alluding to. Now, why I'm saying this is because there was a recent study, well, recent, a couple of years back, I read this study that says that entrepreneurs actually use more energy than professional athletes in a day. And if I think about it, and I read this article, it makes perfect sense. Because if you think about, let's say, LeBron James being 30 years old, dominating the NBA, or I don't know, Cristiano Ronaldo, like these top tier players thing, very, very old in their in their uh, career. When they have their games, before going to their games, they have naps, they eat certain times, they sleep possibly 10 to 12 hours per day. It's very structured for that two hours or that three hours of sprint that need to do. But you and me as entrepreneurs and our clients are working anywhere between eight to sometimes 12 hours a day. How do you want to be efficient with that? That's why when I read that article, it made perfect sense for me. I'm like, wow, it's harder energetically to be an entrepreneur than to be a professional athlete. And I'm not taking away, I'm not comparing, but we're just talking about energetically over here. Now, one thing that I want to elude this, because this is something that I don't know as much, and I feel like you do, is the hormonal balance and gut health aspect behind it. I'm starting to research a bit more about that. Is that something that helps out within that? With all these things that are coming out, like the AG1 greens of this world and so on and so forth, what would you speak to that for somebody that's trying to figure that out that has maybe a bit more of the other stuff in control, but doesn't know much about the gut health aspect behind all this? I feel we all have to have a healthy gut microbiome. And it's going to differ depending on our ethnicity, where we're from, where, where we live as well. 
depends on what bacteria we're exposed to as, as to what we're going to thrive on. Like it, it's shown like the further away you get from where you live, if, if like you're in the U S and you go traveling to India, like you could get sick, just like if you live in India and you go traveling to the U S we're open to different bacteria. So we can get really, really big issues with our gut health. But the biggest thing that comes out from that, when we look at the brain and the fuel that the brain uses, which is primarily glucose, that I see many people that wake up during the night. Now, if someone's got poor digestion, I want to know where it starts off at. And this is where we look at health from a top-down perspective. If someone isn't digesting their food right, is it that they aren't uh, producing enough stomach acid? So what's happening with this hydrochloric acid? Why aren't they producing it? Are they stressed? Let's look further up the chain. Is it in, in the mouth? Are they producing enough saliva? First off, are they chewing enough food? But even before then, when we think about food, there's a phase called mastication. When I, I say it about like when Homer Simpson thinks of a donut, like this, the, the oh, donuts, those sorts of things. Like it's your brain thinking about food. We get this saliva production, which has got enzymes to start breaking down the food in there. Now we have to chew the food a lot of times. Is it that someone just is sitting at their desk and it's been shown that if you eat where you pay your bills and that's deemed stressful for you, it can impact digestion. Is it mm. they need to chew their food more and break down the surface area, signal the, the proteins to or the food to, to signal hydrochloric acid to then stop breaking down this food, to then signal the pancreas to release enzymes and the gallbladder to release bile, this stuff to break down carbohydrates and fats. And I see so many issues. One of the big things being acid reflux when we come to gut health. And then I see people given like antacids like, and lansoprazole and things, which is for low, uh, for high stomach acid. But acid reflux, 99 times out of 100, in my experience, is low stomach acid. And it's actually caused by not being able to digest the food properly, stress, stopping the, the enzymes being produced, and proteins putrefying in the bottom of our stomach then we get inflammation in the top in our esophageal sphincter and when we go into certain positions we'll get this reflux and we see a lot of times where some doctors are probably prescribing lansoprazole and other things to lower the stomach acid which is causing issues that in itself can lead to bloating can lead to distension in the stomach but can then lead to hormonal issues as well so having things like we look at a base Yes, like there, there's things like AG1, there's things like human tonic, super greens, these sorts of things that they could be great for you, but they're one supplement. And I think you still need and, and know you still need to have the body having nutrients as well. Like we can have meal replacements. They're a quick thing to have. But part of that digestive process, as I said, chewing your food to signal the, the digestion and to signal the, the acid to be produced we need to be able to do that. To think, oh. yes, having these green, I have a green drink every day. And, but then we still make sure we have the vegetables as well. But gut health, one thing that I do recommend with people is um, to help increase the diversity in your gut and your microbiome. And that's to get loads of veggies that you don't usually have and you get them raw. So go to the store and get like 20, 25 different veggies. And there might be some that you usually have, but I know myself, when I look at the amount of veggies I have, there's probably 10 on rotation throughout the week, yeah. if that. So we want more in there. So, And we get a little bit, say a little bit of a carrot, a little bit of a parsnip, some zucchini, some eggplant, these sorts of things. 
and we chuck a little bit in a in a food processor raw, blitz it, and then put it into ice cube trays. Then when I have a shake, I'll then put one of those ice cubes in in one of my shakes, and whether it's just a protein shake or whatever it is, you could have it with just water, which. Ironically, that same woman that said about the chocolate side of things, she was having like a shot of water with the ice cube. That was just crazy, but she was getting it done. Um, This will help diversify your microbiome. You just blitz it again in a blender and and drink it. You can't taste it like individual veg, but it just helps to just like spark that process. But again, not a substitute for full veg throughout the day. And greens drinks are going to help that as well. Okay. That was interesting. Let me, let me just unpack that. So you were saying one trick to trigger, and we're not talking about replacement because once you put it in the blender, I'm sure there's still some vitamins or some fibers, some nutrients that get lost because you are changing the, the, the structure of the vegetable in itself, but by putting it in ice cube, so you're putting it all mashed up, which I'm sure becomes a crazy color. You're putting it in an ice cube and then you're utilizing that in your shakes or water and so on it triggers an approach in your conscious mind and subconscious mind in your body and your near and your uh, DNA structure that you're having vegetables. So it creates the proper approach to absorb it more. Is that correct? Or how, how yeah, does it it's go- basically like planting the seed for you, your body to then get a little bit of that, that mm. bacteria, the, the fibers. Okay. Um, and then to just work off that to get more. But okay. again, like we're looking at this, Yes, we're looking at the chewing. We're looking at the actual nutrients we're giving it. Certain like amino acids are essential. Certain aren't essential. Some are conditional. So, if we have conditional amino acids that the body can produce, unless we're under stress, we have to look at that stress side of things. And people that are burning out, if we're burning out, our gut health. If we're stressed under chronic stress for long periods of time, now we have to remember that stress is a perception as well. There's studies that have shown that. Like being poor isn't inherently stressful. It's what that perception of being poor means to you. But we do know that like I was stressed out or feeling I was using exercise to chill out. I was actually using it to fight and fire with fire back in the day with bodybuilding. And I'm sure you've seen some CrossFit athletes do that as well. Like we get addicted. It's the, the, the camaraderie of it and everything. We know that when we go from rest and digest mode, our central nervous system, when we get stressed, it goes into fight or flight mode. And it takes blood away from the gut, blood away from the reproductive organs. Because if we're in fight or flight mode and we're trying to run away from this hypothetical lion, we don't need to have blood in our gut. We don't need to digest food. We don't need to make babies. We need to have blood in our limbs. We need to be able to clot our blood more. If that lion rips off our arm, we need to clot that blood. Our brain focus gets clearer because we need to make sure we're alert. Our alertness goes up. And our focus goes as well. Our eyes actually start to get better vision. All of this from being stressed. So if we're stressed for too long, we're going to see chronic issues with gut health. So we can look at adding things in there, but we also got to work on those underlying foundations as to why we're stressed in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And looking at things like your vagus nerve is a big thing that I work on with people. And there's loads of vagal tone resets and these sorts of things that you can do. But that sends messages around. And I think all of these link into gut health. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to be respectful for your time here. So I'm going to ask you just a couple more questions, but I feel like we yep. would talk for hours okay. because this is, yeah. this is getting really in depth here, but I want to create, or I want to ask you a question that's going to be very tangible for our listeners. So let's create a, a fictional character, which is an entrepreneur that is quite successful business going good, but it's highly stressed. 
making a lot of money, mm-hmm. but doesn't have a lot of time. Maybe personal yeah. life is taking a hit as well. Health is not to par that he wants it to be. What would be some tangible three steps, tangible three things that he could do right now, which is barrier to entry, almost none, like as easy as possible to get the ball rolling for all the good habits and rituals that we know. And they know as well that they need to do on a daily basis. So what would be the three things that you would suggest for these people to start off to get that ball rolling? I would say eat at the same time every day and include protein in each meal. Sleep and wake at the same time and turn your technology off a couple of hours before bed. Yeah. As in definitely stop working. There's a free to one thing where it's like no food three hours before, no work two hours before, no technology an hour before. They're they're the biggest things I would say. I love that. It's exactly what I want to to kind of get your two cents on. I love it. It's very tangible, direct, understand that, you know, don't eat a couple hours before you go to bed. Don't use any uh, phones and all that stuff. Eat the same time so your digestive system could get used to it and go to bed and wake up the exact same time so your body could go in deep sleeps asleep, uh, deep levels of sleep, yeah. which is the most we'll recuperative. Hundred percent. I would say there's one other thing, and that's be honest with yourself, because <laughs> so many of us will hide these things, especially as guys that our body's in a better place than it is, and like whoever it is not necessarily me like is it is it you when we look at peak performance coaching or anything like that but speak to someone that can help you with this if you need the help or accountability to do it so many people will wait until this really really last hope material as we've said but it doesn't have to be hard as long as you just move forward uh ollie one more question over here a couple actually i have two more questions you're cool you're cool uh what is your ideology with the intermediate fasting approach of this world, which got very popularized, I'm going to say the last half a decade or so. What's your ideology with that? It's shown to improve blood glucose management, but you need to have a balance of blood, I can't speak, blood glucose management beforehand. So if you are someone that gets hangry, like you get irritable between meals, you eat and that makes you change your energy levels. Our food shouldn't change the way we feel. It shouldn't give us energy. It shouldn't make us tired. You don't put gas in a car and suddenly it goes faster. It just goes as far as you're pushing your, the, the gas pedal. If you're someone that has poor blood glucose management, someone that's waking through the night, I would work on having those consistent meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner, maybe a snack, just to balance your glucose first, then start adding in slowly longer fast so you're adding in maybe maybe you're having like an hour before bed or two hours before bed two hours after so you got eight hours and then there's like a, a 12 hour fast then a 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 hour fast that i don't feel we necessarily need to go much further than that unless there's extreme health things going on like when we look at three four day fasts just purely because of how these hypocaloric states and long terms of fasting can release toxins faster into the bloodstream so if someone isn't able to actually go through full detoxification effectively so if a lot of people can go through zero one and two phase zero one and two but they can't actually get rid of the toxins in phase three and then they're having things like exposure to diesel fumes and green tea which actually um in different doses and even turmeric can impair detoxification even though they're in most detoxification products Mm. so i would say it can work i'm someone who does it i have my first meal around 11 11 30 a.m i'll have my last meal now and it's like 
just before this call, it was about 7 p.m. when we started here in the UK. So I'll have a good fast, but I had to work up to that. I'll tell you something that when I was competing in bodybuilding, that was not a time when I had good blood glucose management. And if I went two, three hours without eating, I was hungry. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I completely understand. And I love the way that you kind of approach it and explained it. It's not something you start off just willy, willy nally. You have a certain way to go up to it. And something that I do as well, and I do maybe twice a week, like 38 hour fast and all that. Mm-hmm. And I see, and I come somebody like you, I calculate everything from my sleep to my calorie intakes, to my productivity and so on. I'm so much more efficient at the gym and at work when I am a minimum of like 24, 25, 26 hours in a fast my sleeping yeah. pattern, everything is better. Uh, so yeah, I just, you but just you're built to up to that. Though, that's right? exactly, I, yeah, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Build, yeah. You do not start like that. Now we're at, yeah. we're talking about at a certain level. Like I've been doing this for, for years, like almost a decade or so. Like I walk around consistently under 10% body fat, which is quite easy, but that was 10 years in the making And every single yeah. year I add upon like this year I added, uh, doing cold plungers every single day before my workouts now, uh, at three degree uh, Celsius uh, cold plunges for two minutes. So like these are things that you add upon slowly by s- slowly, not in one shot. Uh, Ollie, my before last question to you, it's very obvious that you're a successful individual. You're very cognitive and uh, you know knowledgeable about your, your craft and your industry and you are succeeding in what you're doing. And there's a lot that we can learn from other people's successes, but I truly believe you learn more from your failures than anything else in life. And you don't only learn from your failures, but you learn from other people's failures and difficulties. So my question to you, Ali, is what is something within your business right now that needs to be optimized or in parentheses you're failing at or you're having a hard time at? And how are you going about approaching it to fix that problem and find that solution? I think if you'd have asked me like, two years ago it was believing in myself and believing in how good I am with what I do Mm. and that's been the thing where actually having to have therapy like hypnotherapy and like work with people and coaches has helped me believe in that right now I think it is making sure I hire the right people that are able to help me expand my business but keep my ideologies the same Hmm. it's having people like when you've got a business and you're so passionate at what you do when your backstory is so passionate you want to have like your chat gpt of my brain basically where they can just do everything they, they can i'm sure there's some ai coming out with that can do that sort of thing scarily enough um but i think it is when we look at scaling and get into like multiple six seven figures and things like that you've got to have the right team around you yeah and i think the big thing is doing that while still practicing what I preach and remaining true to myself. I've seen my dad burn out and die. Yeah. That isn't going to happen to me. And if, if that was, that's 10 years from now. So if I was on that route, what am I going to change in that, that time? Which is powerful to think. It really is. So yeah, just being, I guess, self-aware of your beliefs, your values. And as the business grows to put the proper team around you that you're going to be able to grow it and still hit those uh, business goals, financial goals, personal goals, but not lose the core of you want to get there healthily, not like in parentheses, your father or so many other people that succeed, but have that hard approach to their personal life, health life and beyond. I think someone said that uh, a mastermind recently that hire before you need to hire. Because yes. then you've got the time to make it optimal. 
I agree with that. Every time that it, for me, it comes in my mind, I need to hire and I'm blessed to have like seven uh, colleagues and employees within my business. Every single time I felt like I hired and I'm like, oh, I'm pulling the trigger before. But every single time that I pulled the trigger before then I actually needed, it helped me grow into that. And it got me to that position faster than if I would have waited for that moment, financial security and beyond to do it. So as entrepreneurs, you have to take that leap and just believe in yourself and have that gut approach of like, yeah, this is the right move. Uh, Ali, I feel like we could talk until tomorrow morning. This is such a oh, fun conversation. Really, like uh, I really enjoyed this. But before letting you go, uh, I just want to ask you to tell our uh, viewers and our uh, listeners, where's the best place that they could get in touch with you? Maybe some people resonate with you, be like, hey, I want to know more about this. Maybe I need help. Where's the best place they could get in contact with you? Social media, you've got at OJ Health, and that's O-J-A-Y Health. And the website is www.ojayhealth.com. So that any of beautiful. those things, drop me a message and I'll get back to you. Perfect. So I'll, I'll, everything will be in the show notes below. Ali, once again, awesome job. And I just want to say thank you very much for everything that you're doing uh, for society, for your story and just helping top tier entrepreneurs being more healthy because I'm doing it in a different way and you're doing it in a different way. But I feel like we're helping the same type of clientele oh, yeah. with the same ideology. So I do appreciate you. Uh, there's an old saying that says a fisherman sees another fisherman from afar. So I just want to tip my hat off to you and just say congratulations. Thanks, man. You too. Christopher Devian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Fitness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.